Welcome into the F1 starting grid. I'm your lovely host, Brock Young. On behalf of Chaz Day and Mike Allen, we welcome you into another week of unique F1 talk. Guys, we're on the brink of the Portugal Grand Prix. Are you excited? Are you excited? I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited too. Um, well, before we get into the picks, I want to break down Portugal a little bit, uh, show you the uh, track right quick. It is the first Grand Prix on this track was back in 2020. Last year was 66 laps planned for this uh, for this year, 15 corners. That is a current uh, circuit length is 4.6 kilometers. That's roughly about 2.9 miles. And the whole race distance is 306 kilometers, which is roughly about 190 miles. And the record lap was, of course, set last year only by Lewis Hamilton with a minute 18. Now, I want to get into a little bit of different, different discussion going into um, this race here. And uh, Chaz, I'm going to bring it to you first. Who do you, uh, if you're advising Lewis Hamilton in this race, I mean, uh, he lost last time in Imola, but uh, what would you give advice to him as far as how? He should win. We're in the race. Yeah, I think the uh, the the big deal is is tire strategy. I think it's going to come down to tire strategy. Um, I, I would probably give some sort of. Uh, I, I would wait to see what Red Bull did um, with their tires in the uh, the qualifying laps, and mm -hmm. then see if we can get off to uh, to maybe a, a a solid start. So. Maybe if they go on a softer tire, maybe we go on a harder tire so that we can stay out longer and uh, and build build a lead. Um, it's tough because, I mean, we say this all the time. Uh, Overshopping <laughs> such a strong driver. He's so great, particularly with overtaking as well, right? So um, Lewis's defense is great. It's actually really great. Um but I mean, if uh, if we're also struggling with tires, then it's it's going to be nearly impossible. So if he can stay out longer and then have uh, faster tires on later in the race, um, I feel like that's a strategy that that could give him the the highest likelihood of winning. Well, it's been announced earlier this week that they're actually going to introduce the hardest compound so far this year with the tires, um, C1, C2, and C3. So that'll be very interesting of how he manages those tires and everything because. Uh, two weeks ago in Imola, I mean, I pointed this out last week that Max almost ran a perfect race because of those tires. He stayed on it perfectly. So to your point, Chaz, I mean, everything comes down to managing those tires. I mean, look at Lewis Hamilton last year in Silverstone. I mean, he was had a flat tire the last lap, and yet he pushed it until the finish line. So... He could beat Max, and Max was coming right on him, too. So, I mean, it was very interesting to see. Um, how about you? I'm going to throw this question to you, Mike. How about your advice to uh, Max? Uh, put your pedal down and don't don't look back. I think he's going <laughs> to. I think he's, he's going to be at least P1 or P2 if he gets out ahead of Hamilton. Uh, if his car is anything like it has been, uh, I mean, it's going to run. So. Mm -hmm. It's going to be hard to overtake him. I think that's a good strategy. I totally agree with the tires, but so far Red Bulls guessed right, and they've they've uh, got the best car on the in the grid so far. Of course, we don't know. Uh, you know, people could have made 
they had two weeks to make improvements on their their cars but uh my advice to max is get out front early and then just extend his lead like he did the last race and, and make others uh, fight to catch up and if people are fighting to catch up that's when they make mistakes well this track is really relatively new um i mean it is new for the uh, formula one calendar just introduced last year um for me this is almost uh, the fans like it the drivers like it but for me this is almost a mirror image of spain's grand prix which is actually going to be the following weekend to tell you the truth um i saw a when i saw this last year i mean there was not much um there's only one big straightaway on this so there's not much chance for overtaking. i mean the, the track itself is wide wider compared to other tracks but i mean there's so many corners in such a tight space that i mean it is it's just like a regular road course you would pole is everything trying to get on pole so you won't be overtaken by the first corner um but as max proved in, in imola he he could probably overtake that within two car lengths before the first turn um let's go into picks right quick now mike you are leading by 84 points chaz you're in second with 69 i am in third with 44 but uh i want to pre approach this week a little differently i'll give us our top three picks that we think is going to happen but also an extra pick prediction of what we think is also going to happen on top of the podium so I'm going with the same Max Lewis Sergio. I am going to continue to bet on black until I get a winner. Um, I'm going to stick with that until I don't know when what happens, but um, but my extra prediction is I believe just like with Emila, both Alpines will finish in points. Jazz, which uh, who's going to be on the podium for you? So, uh, so I have a, a hot take, not really a hot take, kind of a hot take. Um, I think that, uh, that Botas is going to have a, a resurgence this year, mm. this year, this, uh, this week. Um, he drives a great car. He should be able to pull something out. So, uh, so I think um, I, I'm calling Hamilton winning the race, first stop and coming in second, and then Botas uh, ringing in the, uh, the third spot on the podium. Um, as far as, uh, something interesting that might happen. Um, I think that Mazepin is going to finish in the top 10. No, I'm just kidding. That's not true. I'm right. I was writing, writing that down. <laughs> no, Hey, jump on that, man. Come on. <laughs> no, um no i uh i feel like um i feel like uh gasly is going to uh could have a strong week um he's been uh, he's been racing well so i feel like he may have a top top six uh finish this week um where did he finish last week let me take a look uh i think p7 p7 or p8 yeah yeah um which is fantastic um i think he's gonna i think he's gonna move up this week so top p6 yeah yeah yeah. yes p6 yeah okay 
Mike, how about you? Who's going to taste that champagne this week? <laughs> Verstappen P1. Mm. Charles Leclerc P2. Nice. Pierre Gasly P3. Mm. And Tsunoda and George Russell were finishing the points. You said, I'm sorry, uh, Yuki and... Uh, Yuki and, and Russell were finishing points. Both. Yep. Okay. Um, that is a bold statement right there, even though it almost happened. Well, it's Never. a wide course. The weather's going to be cool. So uh, Verstappen is strong when the weather's cooler and dry. And, and it's a wide course, so George Russell shouldn't run into anybody okay. going down the street. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing and I did not... In, and and y Yuki was in the points and spun out, and that's what knocked him out of the top ten. So, uh, it's, it's... I mean, it's got a lot of curves. It's got that one almost 90-degree curve coming back, but mm -hmm. that, 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 that tends to push a slower race. And with a wide course and a lot of wide runoffs, so you're not going to hit any walls or anything. So uh, that kind of plays in the favor of the younger drivers, less experienced drivers, and those guys are fast. I mean, George is quick. He just, I think, I think we're Russell. If Russell hadn't crashed, he'd have been in the points. Yep. Botas both. So uh, he just needs to not run into another car. And uh, but I think him and Yuki both will be in the points. Well, one thing I did not tell you guys, um, what I'm planning on doing here, is you would have to get your prediction 100% correct. Um, see, like for me, if only one Alpine finish finishes in points, I don't get the points on this one. But if you get your this other prediction correct, like Gasly finishing the top six, Chaz, you'll get an mm -hmm. extra you'll get an extra 20 points added to your total. So thank, you. I appreciate that. Well, Gasly will have to finish the top six first, but come on. Um, so for you, Mike, Yuki, and Russell, so we'll finish points. Hey, it ain't going to change. Ain't going to change. Gonna okay. Change. Mike will still lead it by the end of uh, our next week. It ain't going to change. I tell you what, Mike, <laughs> since, since you're big in this, I, I want to do this right quick. Hold on. Mike, if Chaz overtakes you, if Which is extremely possible. Extremely possible. If Chaz overtakes you this weekend, you got to both buy both us Dogecoin. <laughs> He's big in a Dogecoin, so. Well, so far, my little uh, $175 investment three years ago has net me about six grand. So I'll get you all a couple of Dogecoin if you want. Okay. But. Chaz, we'll have to finish higher. Wait, you you invested six hundred dollars? No, I invested about one hundred and forty. One hundred and forty. Two thousand fifteen. It's worth more than that, bro. I know. I bought it. <laughs> it was more, no, it was worth more than six grand. I I would I would take a look at it again. I don't know when the last oh, time you I looked do. at it. I, I'm on it every day. I, I'm looking. I'm watching. I'm watching. I'm waiting for my house to get paid off. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll we'll talk offline. 
Okay. Anyway. Um, but yes, thank you for the Dogecoin. I appreciate it, Mike. Yes. Do you have Dogecoin, Chaz? Uh, you know what? I'm I'm one of those people who uh, <clears throat> who someone specifically was like, "Hey, do this." I knew that it was a joke thing, so I was like, "Yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. It's stupid." And uh, and then I recently did the calculations for what I would have put in when they told me, and I was like, "I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't be living the same life today." Um, <laughs> but uh, well, I, yeah, I so that, that's 30, why that's why I said that. Yeah. I bought thirty bucks a couple years back. And then I bought some more like last year when it started to climb a little bit. And then now it's, now I'm just letting it go. I don't even look at it. I'm just waiting, waiting for it to hit that six figure so I can cash yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> so I can That's dump good. and run. There it is. Well, Chaz, you pointed out something earlier in your picks that you think Botas will have a surge. That's a good segue into what we have to talk about next. I got two different stories here about, uh, Botas, which I'm going to read both of them to you. Then after that, we'll break it all down, if that's okay. One of them mm -hmm. is Botas not expecting Mercedes or any team for that matter to dominate in 2021. And he says, well, Botas will certainly not write off this team season. In addition of a president, eight double win title for 2021. According to the Finn, race weekend dominance from Mercedes was unlikely for this season. And I quote, I think dominating a Grand Prix this year will be difficult seeing the starting point. We have been a quite, we have been quite big swings in performance to track to track, but we never know. But I can't see anyone really dominating this year. I still believe we can catch them. I still believe from the feeling in the car that is more than an unlocked from it. If we get any balance right, if we get the car to be more drivable, the true corner balance, more reliable, with understanding and fine tuning setup, there will be more to come. 23 races is a long time to learn about the package. However, this is very interesting. Former world champion from 1997, Jacques Veneau, said he branded Botas as simply too slow and believes that will hamper Lewis Hamilton's campaign as he won't provide any seven-time world champion the sport he would need to beat Max Verstappen. And he says, he quote, Perez is the newcomer to Red Bull team, and yet he is already stronger than Botas, who is, who is fifth season with Mercedes. Perez can't help Max more than Botas can do for Hamilton. This, the 1997 world champion also says that he questions Mercedes team boss Total Wolf's reaction to Botas Russell's crash, as well as Botas defending it. He says, and I quote, I don't quite understand Total Wolf, why he why does he blame the young Brit in the collision with the Mercedes Junior Russell? Botas knew that his potential successor was about to overtake him and the series at risk a serious accident with a slight move to the right. He mustn't do that under these track circumstances. This shows how tense Botas is already the second race of the season, and that's not going to get any better because he's simply too slow. If he wasn't, he wouldn't have to defend the position so hard against a Williams. And at the time of the wreck, uh, this is just something extra. At the time of wreck, uh, Botas experienced 30 G's. And the something extra here, the track engineered manager for Mercedes is that the car itself is beyond repair. Now, our Mercedes guy, 
Chaz, take all that in. Yeah, I, I love it. I mean, I love that Toto is uh, is defending his uh, his driver. I mean, would would you really expect anything else? It would be pretty insane for him to uh, to go up there and say, "Yeah, I think it was all his fault." I mean, what, what does that conversation look like when he goes back to um, the garage and now he has to talk to one of his drivers or encourage one of his drivers um, in the upcoming week? Right at the beginning of the year, um, he's not going to shit on his driver. You know, right no. at the beginning of the year, and you know, harp harp on him for making a mistake. Was it um, was it Botas's fault? Uh, I think so. I think I think it probably was. Um, I don't know that he gave him enough space, and I also think it's a, it, while you were reading um, what uh, what Jock was saying, I was thinking about it. That, that is an interesting point to have to fight so hard against a, uh, a Williams in that car. Um, so yeah, I think it probably was his fault, but, um, yeah, I think it would be pretty ridiculous for, for Toto to call him out on it, especially to the public. Well, that, I agree with that too, but looking back at the race too, and I saw how, um, and I was thinking what y'all guys said last week, but I saw how Botas was coming over that line towards the turn and, um, uh, Russell was just right behind him trying to make that. That's why he ran off a little bit. But for um, for me, for Russell to come out with apology the next day when it really wasn't his fault, I think it's just something that he really wants that Mercedes seat, so he's just trying to play ball with everybody, basically. Uh, Mike, what do you say from all this? Uh, you know... I went back and, and, and looked at it, and I saw Russell's apology, and I really, really, really wanted it to be Botas's fault. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it was. Because he mm -hmm. had – his nose was ahead. Per, per, per the protocol, his nose was ahead. He had the line to the curb, and, and he has the advantage. So George should have backed off, got behind him. I mean, you have to be when you're going into a curve. You have to be almost right next to him or a little bit ahead of him to have that curve. And he was way behind him. I mean, his front wheel wasn't even halfway up his car. So, uh, and and he tried to stick his nose in there where he had no room. So, you know, I was a I was an over enthusiastic George Russell trying trying to make a move split second. No, you have to make that decision. You're going. 100 plus miles an hour in a little car and uh you know he made the wrong call i think he was right to apologize i do believe there's a little politics into that because he doesn't want to lose his seat at mercedes when lewis leaves uh even though i would love to see him stay at williams and win, bring williams back to prominence but uh <laughs> you know when you're when you're in botas's shoes and you have the line and you're going into the curb you don't expect somebody to be right next to you out of your out of your sight line, trying to squeeze a four foot wide car into a two foot space, you know it's so. I'm gonna have to. I think I think I think George had the responsibility to to yield, and he didn't. And he tried to push it, tried to get ahead, to get that advantage, and you know, I don't know if Botas saw him or not, but. If he saw him, then I would agree. But I think he was just in the line and in the zone, and, and all of a sudden there was a car next to him, and 
tangled. Well, I mean, for the fact that it was, once again, fitting a Williams trying to pass a Mercedes. I think also Russell was just excited to be in that position, was trying to get points for Williams. Um, but for me, um, I'm split in between. It's 50-50. I think both have a little bit, a little bit of blame. Um, Botas, yes, he had a nose ahead, but he was also over the line. Um, there was plenty of room for him to move to the left a little bit and let Russell pass. But I think also Russell was a little eager in getting that extra pointage in that extra position to get those points for Williams. But so I actually, after hearing you uh, give your opinion, like I wanted to look back at the uh, at the crash just to make sure I remember what I remembered correctly. And they they were wheel to wheel. So like um, when they when they did ultimately crash, but they um, so I, I my my opinion is more so along the lines of of Brock, where I feel like they they both have fault, obviously to to some extent. Um, I just think he should have left a little bit more room. Um, but I, I'm always going to lean on the side of of a guy who's. Um, who's racing. I just don't like, I actually think the dirty thing to do in racing is when you, you know, cut somebody off and cut off their line. I don't think that the the wrong thing to do is, is the person who's being aggressive and going for it, especially when um, they actually, you know, he he was past his back wheels. Um, So if he didn't see them, it wasn't because it was because he wasn't looking right. Um, Which is part of your responsibility as a driver. Oh yeah. I mean, I get it. I get it. But I, I don't know. I watched it a few times and I just think that Russell probably, if he would have just been a little more patient, just would have backed off just a little bit and got behind him, there's another opportunity. He would have had another opportunity because Botas's car was not running fast at all. Right. But I love this because we have Williams guy and Mercedes guy swapped in their opinion right now so that's <laughs> oh man now i've seen everything i could die happy man um <laughs> because we're objective yes yes that's what i love about it um speaking about being objective phil, phil williams sends me a free shirt <laughs> mike they can't afford that right now <laughs> when they when they give me a pass down, when they get me a pass down to the paddock, then you know I'll be like, "Yeah, Potash should have put it in reverse." <laughs> yeah, I question your fandom because uh, if they start giving out free stuff to fans, it's gonna put them into bankruptcy. Yeah, pretty much. They're gonna have a uh, a GoFundMe the week after. You're gonna have like a solid white car with no nothing on it. <laughs> they don't have enough. They don't have enough money for the stickers. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that. Um, our Twitter question of the week was: Is uh, will Ashton Martin continue to be a mid-tier team? It was actually results were fifty-fifty on that. Um, but going to a story about Ashton Martin, more particularly about Seb, um, their team principal was stated that um, he is working tirelessly to turn things around over at Aston Martin. And he says, and I quote, I think he's fine. He has a very high expectation of himself. He works tirelessly to get better and move up that learning curve. 
but he's not beating himself up, so to speak. It'll just take a bit of frustration and you'll learn more to determine to get up to speed. It wasn't his fault at all. We originally burned his rear brakes, the ducks, and cakes, cake tins. After this, in the pit lane and the penalty, he had no chance, really. I guess my biggest regret, he says, is that we weren't, we weren't, uh, we weren't reliable as we should have been in the winter. Hmm. Really, go figure. But um, also a former driver by Gerhard Berger, suggested by uh, speedweek.com, he says, I wouldn't. I would have been better to take it would it would have been better to take a year off from today's perspective yes but the observation period is still too short i wouldn't draw draw to conclusions of after two races from my own experience i know the time will come when you have to pass your zenith you have to take this development into account if you're a successful race racing driver and continue to pursue the sport with all your experience and passion that will lead to good success uh, but not only Berger had this opinion, but also Helmut Marco, who leads Red Bull, says, I was of the opinion he should have taken a year off, sort things out, ask himself what he wants, and I believe there's a lot of possibility within Formula One next year. And that's after last year's season with Ferrari. That's uh, what Helmut Marco said. And your opinion, Mike? Well, you know, these are guys that are, you know, in tune with the race. Sebastian Vettel is very well respected within the community. You know, he's a three-time world champion. So, mm -hmm. you know, he knows how to race. But, you know, there might be something to that. I know last week we talked about the mentality of this and the mentality of the race. And, you know, when you, when you get on that negative, when you lose the confidence in, in, in what you're doing, and you start getting these the negative aspects of it, it's hard to recover from. Mm -hmm. It's hard to come back from that. So, you know, he had a tough run at Ferrari. You know, there's it wasn't the success he was looking for. Uh, there might have been some regret about leaving Red Bull. You know, who knows? Who knows what the thought process is? But he's had a bad run, and it's it's a slump and. You know, you might you know take a year off, go run some, go run some rally races, go go run a Le Mans, go, you know, go back to like uh like uh, uh the guy from Spain. Oh, Alonso. Alonso, like Alonso does. I mean, when in, in his off duty to unwind, he goes and he races carts. Just kind of get your, you know, just kind of get your. Uh, Get your mojo back, you know, <laughs> refreshed and get, get some batteries recharged. Get, step away from it. Just clear your mind and come back fresh and ready to go. I mean, there might be something to it. I don't think what they're telling him, I don't think they're busting his balls. I think that what they're saying is out of general concern for Sebastian, you know, and they, they want him to do well and they don't want him to see him get hurt. And they certainly don't want to see him continue because he's not having very good success at all. Or is the ego still there that he wants to race? Jazz. Did you say ego? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, of course. And there's it very well should be. I I immediately had the same thought that Mike had, uh, which was just about Alonzo, right? And I think, um, you know, it, it it probably would serve him well 
he's not in a good place objectively. He's not in a good place when it comes to, to racing. I mean, um, having been relegated to, a, you know, a, you know, third tier team at this point, um, maybe second tier team, that that's not a that's not a great place to be in your career uh it's possible for him with his driving skill to come back but he was already on the decline um even with with ferrari i mean he's he had the probably one of the worst uh seasons of his career um this past year uh just just outperformed like crazy by leclerc so yeah man let's take a step away and and recharge um it seems like he still loves to race he's still having a good time i just don't think that i guess it depends on what his goals are if his goal is to you know race as long as he can race and make as much money as he can then you know keep going it seems like he's having a good time uh, it just doesn't seem like he he takes winning very seriously because um he, he doesn't seem very torn up about anything. He seems like he's having a great time out there, which is, you know, theoretically it's great, right? Like it's like, oh, I mean, you want people to enjoy what they're doing. Um, but if someone with his talent uh, isn't, is underperforming and they seem to be happy about it and not really getting better as a fan, it does cause you to, to have a little bit of resentment, especially if you're a Ferrari fan. Well, right now, uh, in the constructor standings, we have Mercedes at number one, then Red Bull, McLaren, Ferrari at number four. Then it breaks down to the mid-tier with number five, Alpha Tori. Then Ashton Martin in six, followed by Alpine, Alfa Romeo, Williams, and followed by Haas. Now, of those three there in the mid-tier, Alpha Tori has eight points, Ashton Martin has five, and Alpine has three. And that's those five points it has to be thanks to I can't believe I'm going to say this, Sir Lancelot and Lance Stroll. He's carrying the team right now over a four-time world champion. So it has to say something. Yeah, he should have taken a, a year off, in my opinion. But it is too late. So he's inked that contract with Ashton Martin. So he's, he's, he's there until what? I, I don't even know how long this contract is. Three years? I think so. I think it's three years. Three years. So unless something happens where, like, he gets replaced, but. Well, speaking about uh, Eakin deals here, they just finished finalizing a deal about sprint races. Um, where they're going to have three of them this, se this season. First place will have three points, second place will have two points, third place will have one point, and the winners, or the how you finish in the sprint races will be uh, how you start in the race on Sunday. And the three planned tracks for this is two in Europe, one outside of Europe. One is going to be, uh, the two in Europe are going to be Silverstone and Monza. And the third one, they have not def definitely picked it yet, but it looks like it's going to be Brazil. Original plan was going to be Canada, uh, but Chaz, actually, you want to talk about Canada here in a little bit. But uh, this first, this, um, I know we talked. This is like the third time we're talking about this since the beginning of the year, but it's still news. It's still coming up. Um, Chaz, your first take on this about sprint races. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, we we have talked about it before too. I think um, you know, I'm not necessarily a, a fan of it, but I think fans are a fan of it. Apparently, <laughs> um, they like the uh, the sprint race format. I know that Formula One's trying to make a lot of moves in order to make the uh, the races more uh, engaging for uh, especially new fans. So um, you know, I personally am fine with races the, the way that they are. I don't love the idea of having um, these other races. In, especially if they're going to inform the outcome of the uh, the, the major race, uh, you know, something beyond qualifying. But um, yeah, I mean, if fans like it, I, I'm I'm a fan of uh, Formula One doing things creatively and stepping outside of the box in order to get more fans um, and in order to make the uh, the races more engaging. I'm, I'll I'll never oppose that. Um, you know, trying new things, um, especially because I as much as I hate it, and I know we've talked about this too on the show, uh, as much as I hate it, um, I think in the coming years, Formula One's going to have some very difficult uh, times ahead of them, uh, mm-hmm. specifically when it comes to what's going on with, uh, with renewable energy. Um, it's going to be interesting times over the next five to ten years, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. they, they may struggle a lot. So um, that being said, I'm not going to... I'm not going to, you know, hold it against them. Anything they're trying to do to build up their brand and build up uh, a loyal following uh, around the world, especially in the United States, um, it'll it'll help them once they make whatever transition <clears throat> they may be forced to take in the uh, in the coming years when the uh, the renewable energy um, revolution really kicks up to to full speed and starts affecting them. Well, Mike, you can make all the DVR jokes you want about this, but I look forward to uh, qualifying every single race. In fact, I almost like preferring qualifying over the race itself sometimes because <laughs> the way the announcers just make it, just like, oh, my God, you know, he goes into it. And Lewis is back on pole, stuff like that. Yeah, I just love that, you know, anticipation for the race itself. Um, will we have that for sprint races? I'm in the opinion that... I have to see it. I know Formula 2 with it is very successful, but for me, it's – I just got to see how it is. But I, you talk about renewable energy, Chaz. We're going to have uh, – in the next coming weeks, we're going to have this poll out on Twitter. Will Formula 1 go the way of Formula E in electric vehicles? Stay tuned for that too. But, Mike, uh, your opinion on um, the sprint races. I know we talked about this extensively in the past but since this is making news now it is it is official that they're going to try it out for three races well i, I you know i'm with Chaz. i i'm not a big fan if it's going to affect the main race but it would be cool for the points you know if you could put together a good sprint race a, a good a, a good sprint session uh with your car of course, a lot of things can happen to give other teams a little bit of an advantage. I think it's going to be exciting. I like. I'd like to see how it pans out. And I'm, I'm like you, Brock. I like the. I like to watch everything. Practices, even they're make they're making practices interesting now, which is fun. Uh, but for me, the race starts with qualifying, and that's it's pretty exciting to see all the cars do that and to add that wrinkle of a sprint type competition in there, I think it's just going to enhance the, the whole sport, to be honest. 
Well, said before, it's going to be uh, Silverstone, Monza, and possibly Brazil. But uh, Chaz, you wanted to talk about uh, Canada and as well as another uh, circuit on the calendar. Well, I, just um, just mentioning, um, you know, I think Michael alluded to it a little bit too, and we, we we've been talking about these last couple of weeks. Just um, you know, all these uh, races that are either being replaced or um, mixed all together. A lot of them are being replaced. So like, um, you know, we gained the Turkish Grand Prix, I think this mm -hmm. week that was announced. Right. Um, but lost Canada. Um, so from a, a North American circuit standpoint, um, you know, we, we gained another European circuit and lost a, um, you know, a, a North American one, which stinks in my perspective. Um, so having a, I think you mentioned, I'm not sure if you mentioned it before the show or, or whether it made its way into this show yet, but, um, you know, just talking about another race in the United States, a, a third race in the United States, in addition to, uh, to Austin and Miami, um, that would be, I, I think it would do loads for, mm -hmm. uh, for gaining new fans. I mean, just think about how, <clears throat> how difficult it is for um, someone to become a, fa a fan or I, I would just say, think about how people become fans in general, right? Like the NFL is massive. Also a lot of people go to NFL games, right? NBA is massive. Also a lot of people go to NBA games. I don't think that it's a coincidence that that's the case, right? Um, if for a long time, it hasn't been possible for American people to go to formula one races um yep. you know th it's just not accessible and um i you know in addition to not really being able to watch it on tv you also don't even have that friend who goes to the race because there are no races around <laughs> it in, in the country so um you know who just took you that one time and you fell in love with it that that doesn't happen when when there's no races to go to so if we uh, if we add more races in the United States, I think it will make a huge difference. So if we can get another one to replace Canada, um, I think that would be awesome. Well, to that point, Chaz, um, I'm just seeing this now here on uh, FormulaOne.com. It was just posted not too long ago that, yes, uh, Turkey will replace Canada on the calendar this, this season due to uh, Canada's high COVID um, COVID reporting here, but um, yeah, everybody knows the French can't stop kissing. Well, that just came out of left field. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but I will. Uh, th that's sad to see because I, I do enjoy Canada's race, and it's just two years in a row not having Canada on there. It, it kind of hurts me a little bit. But uh, on the flip side of that, logistically. It helps F1 out without coming from Europe for Canada for only one race in North America then heading back to Europe. Um, so logistically, this probably makes a little, a little better no, sense. They usually, no, they usually go to South America after that. They usually go down to Brazil. No, that's, uh, that's actually in the fall. With uh, Canada's normally in the spring, then... Or no, they go to, they go to Mexico. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, it goes from United States to Mexico to Brazil. Right. Austin, United States. Uh, now we have to say Austin. <laughs> Austin, 
um, Mexico, to Mexico to Brazil, right? In the fall. Um, that's why I said last week. I think Miami will be perfect in the springtime. One, you got you use an NFL stadium, so you need to be free during that time. But two, something back to back with Canada, so that you can stay in North America a little bit longer on the other side of the pond, they say. But um, Mike, what, what take- track are they talking about in the United States? Are they talking about um, Vegas? Why is for switching back and forth? Well, if there was a, if uh, if there was to be a third, oh, we'll get that that here in a second. But Mike, first, I want to take your uh, your opinion on this as far as uh, Canada getting dropped for Turkey. Well, you know, I'm not a <clears throat> not a fan of Turkey. <laughs> More of a chicken guy myself. <laughs> <laughs> I like ham. You know, it's, it's unfortunate that that. Canada loses that Grand Prix, and not only does it take a race away from North America, but you know there's there's some rich history in F1 with Canadian drivers, and that race course is pretty much every inch of it's named after a Canadian driver that's either lost his life or was a star in that sport. So it's kind of sad to see it leave Canada, to be honest with you. But yeah. Uh, hopefully they can get the COVID thing straightened out by 2022 and it'll be back in North America. Uh, but just kind of parroting what Chas says, the United States has never been a real big, I mean, there's F1 fans in the U S and I think the peak of F1 as far as fandom in the United States was in the seventies and eighties. And then it kind of, went away because we didn't have a whole lot of races in the nineties and two thousands, maybe you know, uh, uh, the racetrack in New York that I like, whose name just flew out of my head. Watkins Glen. Watkins Glen. You know, that was the big venue that, and, and they had street races in Detroit. They had street races in San Diego. They had street races in, in Miami. Uh, so until the circuit of America's, popped up we really didn't have a whole lot going on in f1 here i mean nascar is king indy indy racing is king here in the united states so uh there wasn't anything really to bind us to f1 and i think it's it's starting to get a resurgence thanks thanks to a bunch of documentaries on the internet that i you know turned you on to brock yeah netflix series about uh, drive to survive I think that brought a lot of, a new generation of people interested in F1 and interested in the drivers and the drama and the politics and everything that goes along with this type of race. We need more races in North America though. At least yeah. four. Four. You remind me of a quick story. Um, what happened the weekend of Mons I mean, Imola, the ratings for United States, uh, of course. NASCAR brought in over 3 million viewers. IndyCar brought in about just over 900,000 viewers. And Formula One, I want to say, I don't have the rough numbers here, but uh, Formula One brought in just over a million viewers for Imola. So that's, and that's probably the biggest spike on uh, the past couple of years in ratings for them. Yeah, and I, I think that Netflix show has a lot to do with it, to be honest with you. 
Well, then this next story is what Chaz kind of hinted out earlier is uh, McLaren CEO Zach Brown's idea for a third race here in the United States. Now, the uh, F1 CEO Stefano Domenicani uh, likes the idea, but they're not planning on this anytime soon because they want to concentrate on getting a race in Africa. Uh, concentrating on bringing Vietnam to the calendar finally before they even think about getting the United States a third race. But Zach Brown's idea is this, is um, Miami, since they just inked their deal, signed their deal for 10 years, keep it there for 10 years. The other option is, and he said, try this out for first couple years back to back, is have it here at Coda one year, then go to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the other year. And if it's successful, just rotate it back and back for those next few years. Uh, Mike, what do you think about that? I know you want to see Watkins Glen on there, but uh, what now, do you think about Watkins, Watkins Glen will never be ready for an F1 race. I think it's going to take a lot of work. Uh, that's just a pipe dream. I bring it up just kind of as a fantasy, but that's never going to happen. Yeah. Uh, I, I just hate switching venues back and forth, especially when the local economy is is affected. Uh, for those of us who have lived through Coda, especially us that drove rideshare through Coda, that's a big weekend. And that's a big, big weekend for everything that happens in Austin, restaurants, hotels, uh, the tourists that come in from all over the world. I mean, they even have a, uh, they, they try to line up a, a music, some music festival along with it just to showcase the city. And that's a lot of income that, that Austin's going to lose. And if you, I, if you bounce it back and forth like that, that's just going to, I don't know. I think you might lose fans. I might be wrong. I might just be, uh, belly aching because I know it's going to take a lot of money out of our economy. <laughs> but I, I, it, I don't. It's like switching quarterbacks. You know, pick one, right. pick one, and play the game. Well, Chaz, this is just an idea that Zach Brown had, but uh, your take on it? Yeah, I think um, I'm, I'm going to have to go with Mike a hundred percent on this. I, I I really don't like that idea. Of uh of like moving around, I, I I love Zach Brown, um, love the guy, love the guy a lot actually, and he's probably one of the. I mean, he's probably one of the only, if not the most influential, if, unless I'm just missing somebody or overlooking somebody, Americans in Formula One, um, today. So I I I really like the guy a lot, and what he's done at McLaren has been uh has been fantastic i think it's um yeah i just don't like the idea i don't i don't love it i think we i think we just need more races here well with a 23 race calendar i mean you're gonna have to give some something up um i mean i'm i want to talk about this next week though um where is the german grand prix where where is Hulkenheim ring? I missed that. That is a historic track, and you can't say that it's not in use because MotoGP is going there in the fall, and other races is going going there as well. Yeah, you know, 
I don't know if it's an issue about money or what, but it just, I don't know. Well, that's well, it, it, Yeah, it's an older racetrack. We'll, we'll talk. We'll discuss that next week. But speaking about, um, I mean, honestly, I could talk about tracks the entire show. I love talking about racetracks. But um, in this particular one, I absolutely love. I'm so happy to see them return to Suzuka for the next three years over for the Japanese Grand Prix. It is um, started in 1987, and it is one of the fantastic. I know, Mike, you probably would prefer um, Fuji, um, but it is a track that's. I heard that it's Fuji's very hard to get to. It takes almost over an hour to get to by train. Suzuki Suzuka is very close to uh, metropolitan area and has some, not just a great track but also has some great op opportunities, venues around there. So it's just a festival type of atmosphere around it. But uh, and, to, and to be fair, it's always raining. <laughs> well, Fuji too. I mean, honestly, but yeah, no, Japan is always like that. But it's, it is um, for only being on the calendar for 34 going on, or 33 going on 34 years. It, it has some history to it. Suzuki. But uh, yeah. ja well, go ahead. No, the Japanese love love F one, and and uh, you know they've done a good job hosting it. It just rains a lot there. I mean, it seems <laughs> like every every important race through history of F one that's come down to something, it's pouring rain. <laughs> and everybody's driving through spray, but. Uh, they do a good job. They keep their tracks up to date. They got a great fan base. I mean, they pack them out. Uh, it's an exciting place to race in Japan. Well, I mean, you got uh, also an up store with uh, Yuki Sonoda. I'm sure he's going to create some buzz for uh, the Japanese oh, Grand absolutely. Prix there. Especially if he's finishing high in the points, which I project he will. He, he, he's going to improve as the season and his confidence grows. Mm-hmm. Jess, what do you think about this? Are you happy about uh, Suzuka, or do you want to see a Japanese Grand Prix on the calendar? You said, do I want to see a Japanese Grand Prix? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. J Japanese races are great. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the uh, the track is great. It's uh, Japanese fans are, are they, they, you're right, they do love um, Formula One, so I think it's great. Um, especially for such a small country to have a uh, to have a, a racetrack, I think if we had a uh, a racetrack proportional to um, to Japan, we'd have like sixteen of them. <laughs> I mean, for a country that size to have a to have a track, I mean, if we had one for every Japan we could fit in our country, we'd have a bunch. Of course, everything has to come back to America, but. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm great about the, <laughs> I'm great about the <laughs> Japanese Grand Prix. It's great. Well, honestly, the uh, the S's on the um, Circuit of the Americas, of course. I know they probably disagree with me with saying this, but it is modeled after the S's of Suzuka. Mm. So we have some Japanese heritage here in Austin. So that's that's always nice to see, but. Uh, to you, uh, to our point about uh, Yuki Sonoda there too, you know, finish high in points. Our new Twitter poll is out. 
Who will win the championship first? And we're going to discuss this next week. I'm really excited about this. Will it be Yuki? Or will it be Mick Schumacher? We'll discuss that next week. But Good question. I also, to, to add to our earlier point, too, is um, it's great for... It's great to, for Japan to have a, a Japanese driver too. Yes. Like how great is that? I mean, he's gonna he's gonna be the Verstappen of Japan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you see how how uh, you know you know Verstappen's support has been in his country. It's it's ridiculous. Um, I think he's gonna be the same for uh, for Suzuki. So or um, for Zenodo. So that's awesome. Well, I gotta look up this guy's name too. Uh, but speaking about Zach Brown, he uh, signed on. Um, I say 13, 14 year old from New York. You're part of the country there, Chaz. Um, to be a junior driver for McLaren. Okay. So that's that interesting to see try to get an American driver into Formula One. I like it. I do too. I, and that's what we need. We need it's been a, it's been a while since we've had one. And that's one of the, I would say that's probably the main ingredient to get uh, on a United States fan base is to get a United States driver, not just in Formula One, but you know, competing successfully for, for points. That's so true. That's so true. I mean, uh, you know, Great Britain fans are, I mean, everyone knows who Lewis Hamilton is, right? Everyone. Um, and I would say that, like, you know, whether it's UFC and Conor McGregor, I am very sure that a lot of. Uh, Irish fans got into the sport because of Conor McGregor. Uh, there's a, a, a very, very big correlation between a star in a sport and how into it that country is and how much that supportive they are. It happens with racing too. Like, um, you know, British people have, have been really into even like cycling in recent years because they've been, they've been doing, doing well. That's good. Well, Mike, you ready to spend some dollars for us on uh, Dogecoin or what? <laughs> I got you. I got you. <laughs> I'll send you the information for my wallet after this. Month. <laughs> <laughs> but if I win, you got to hmm. buy me more Dogecoin. <laughs> Wait, was that the agreement? Yeah, the rules have already been made. Uh, so. Yeah, the <laughs> So we're good. But that's for next week. I can't wait to see that Dogecoin in my uh, account. But um, in the meantime, give us a comment, like, share, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Form of Racing. That's also for our Facebook and follow. But vote on our Twitter poll too. Who won the championship <laughs> first, Mike, or Mitt, Mitt Schumacher, or Yuki Tsunoda? And join us next or me. time. Or me. That's good. You should have told me I would have put you part of the poll, but I'm sorry, Mike. Imagine my fat ass trying to fit in an F1 car. Oh my god! I would pay money to see that. I would pay you. I would pay Dogecoin for that. They'd have to redesign the car. <laughs> I'd look like I'd look like uh, uh, a weekend at Austin Pizza where the kids are all in the go karts and Dad's rolling behind them in the big two seater. <laughs> You just think about how much traction you'd have in the corners if the with a wider car, though, right? With a wider car, you know. Like if I could get an engine strong enough to carry my family. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the way to end the show. Thank you, guys.
Actually, you know what we should do is actually go. Um, we have a test track. Ch uh, Mike, you know about this because you used to be a police officer. Is the driveway here in Austin where they um, they test defensive driving for cops, but it's also where you could train to become a race car driver. And I went on that track too, and I love it. Um, but long story short, we all should try that and compete with one another <laughs> on that track one of these days. I uh, I took my when I was a motorcycle policeman. Me and my partner went out and ran a lap around there on our Beamers. It was. Oh yeah. I mean I, I like you guys, so I, I, I mean, I don't really want to have to do what you're asking me to do, but yeah. if you're open to it, I'm open to, uh... Just remember, start. just remember, it's Robin's racing. Robin's <laughs> And I'm, I'm coming in that inside. I'm coming, just give it to me, because I'm coming in that inside, man. Yeah, yeah, just like a... Just like, a, in like, there. like a Like a true Williams driver. Absolutely. <laughs> Down the torpedoes. We are going to create our own headlines here, so. That's a win wreck. That's, that's our motto, win or wreck. There's no second place. <laughs> so, like, what, like so Williams has been wrecking. You first, you're last. <laughs> and from the quote of Ricky Bobby, we'll close the show. Um, <laughs> so once again, follow us on Twitter. Vote on our Twitter poll, which is at a form of racing. Who will win the championship for Schumacher or Sonoda? And follow us also on Facebook at Form of Racing and drop us a line on email. Give us a topic, racing at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time right here on the F1 Starting Grid. See ya.